Well, hello there, my dear children of the apocalypse. Welcome back to episode 17 of the Doomtime Podcast. My guest today is none other than Villacy, one of the greatest players that I've ever gotten the joy to play with, also a content creator, and we're here to talk all about War Thunder, tournaments, fatherhood, and as always, life, love, and self-improvement. This video was sponsored by me and by my website, flip-english.com, where you can go and find my 30-day online English course so you too can improve your English. Use code ORANGE for a 25% discount today. Let's get into it. I, I was thinking about all the possible questions I could ask you, and mm -hmm. on the top of my head was basically this. You're, again, one of the people that were in the environment of the, the pro team, the esports of War Thunder. Like you're, you know, among the greatest mm -hmm. players of all time. I used to joke around, you know, obviously the ego boy and and, and sell out and whatever it was. But mm -hmm. one of the cool things about me having been in the top whatever percent was that I knew who was better than me. And you were one of those people. And my question to you is, what does it feel like when you're at the top of the game? Like what's that well that that energy, the feeling, like it's godlike, you know? Um, I wouldn't really say I was at like the, the top, maybe 1% for a, for a very long time, but I would say during the time where I guess you could say I was, it was in random battles. It was quite, um, like the pressure was quite high. Mm -hmm. Um, you always felt like. If I make a stupid move right now, people are just gonna, you know, call me out on it. But also, if I do a, a like a douchebag move, I'm also gonna be called out for it. Um, and we did the whole like, you know, changing names every once in a while mm -hmm. to uh, not get recognized. But people figured it out. Like it didn't really matter. <laughs> um, and then you also had the, the well, the friendship with with others in that similar situation that you maybe didn't play with every day, but you knew them and you fought them like maybe three, four times a week. And there was this connection and this friendship that you all accepted that if I get killed by one of those, I don't really care. Mm -hmm. um, and we all, I would say most of us respected the the whole if someone wanted to land and leave, that was okay. But most people wanted to fight. Um, but yeah, I would say the pressure was quite high in in random battles. In tournaments, it was a different thing. <laughs> it was even higher. Um, and you knew the... Well, the audience wasn't as big as it is now, I think. But... You still knew that you you really wanted to beat the Russians, <laughs> <laughs> um, and coming from a such a like small community uh, in Sweden, it was just me and Panther. Like there mm -hmm. was no one else really, so we had to go to other like nations to play with them. And uh, at one point, I mean, we knew that we were the top two in the country. Um, without even, uh, I'm not saying that to be cocky. Mm -hmm. uh, for for a few years, it was like that. Now I have no idea. Like I don't play that much, um, and I haven't played a tournament game in what six years, probably. But um, 
yeah, the pressure was high. And I guess that's because it mattered. Like, if something doesn't matter, then you don't really feel the stress, you don't feel mm. nervous, and the pressure is not high. So I guess, um, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Did you, when the whole esports was picking up, I remember back, I don't know if it was 2014, 2015, when the first Thunder League was made, did you keep very high hopes that esports in Warthner would become maybe a global thing, there would be like high rewards, actual real cash, and not just you know, freebies in the game giving out? Um, well, I wasn't in the first Thunder League. I, I wasn't playing uh, at that level. Um, I was kind of like the, the guy who usually walked into the Think Team Speak. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to play with them, but they didn't know who I was. I was just this jet player who occasionally touched tanks, I guess. Um, but yeah, of course, uh, when I got into the, to the first team, I wanted it to kick off after maybe two, three years, I realized it wasn't. <laughs> and I mean, the, the biggest, I guess, event that we participated in was the, the Thrustmaster, mm -hmm. uh, duels and well, the, the top three teams were, they were sent to Paris. To, to play and we were one of them but only two out of three in the team were allowed to go and we pretty much uh you know we we did a like a random dice uh, mm -hmm. selector on on the like some generator and it was panther and nst who got to go and i got to stay home <laughs> damn yeah um but we still got the price we got some thrustmaster gear um, but yeah, that's pretty much the only real connection with a like a price for something we did. Otherwise, it was just you know in-game stuff. Mm. Yeah, I always felt like it, there was this lack of of giving. You know, with the first Thunder League, me being a caster, I think it was seventy-two thousand dollars that was you know collected mm -hmm. through the the paid uh, doc tags or whatever it was, and I I. I thought of it like wow this is really good like surely this is gonna develop and i'm, I'm gonna get to get back at a caster i thought this is mm -hmm. great for me to actually make some income and, and get more popular and then it just never gone anywhere like they did their thunder league um thunder show whatever it's called video series with like sean commentating the you know the clips of the shorts before those became popular and like it just died off and it for me it, it killed a big part of me and not not in the sense that it was an ego, like, oh no, I'm not going to get to cast it or, or participate, but just, just the dream, you know, the dream of of there being an esports alive. Mm -hmm. There was also, um, there was always talks of, um, a second season is coming, guys, uh, and we had some connections in the well, we we did talk to some Gaijin employees every once in a while and. There was this like rumor that kept going for like two, three years that, oh yeah, second season is coming soon. We even saw some kind of trailer for it, but it, it never happened. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, yeah, I, I feel the same as you. Uh, I think it would have maybe not gotten really big, but I think they could have gone that route instead of 
the way they're doing it now, which is, well, I think it's like only top tier vehicles right now. The the tournaments, like the ones they broadcast. Boss, I, I honestly do not know. Like... At least the ones that I have watched. Uh, mm. But I don't recognize any of the players, so I'm guessing it's all new. Um, all new players. Possibly, yeah. I mean, also with different different style of uh, top tier jets now, uh, I don't know what, SC-27s and yeah. Uh, you know, my, the last time I even paid attention to the game was the the YouTuber Cup, which I thought was a huge insult to the community because they they take people that already get free stuff from Gaijin, then they say, you know what, compete in this tournament where you've got nothing to lose, only reputation to gain additionally, and we're going to give you a hundred thousand gold and an E one hundred on top of that, and it's like that's such an insult to the community. And I I remember because I explicitly messaged Gaijin, I said, hey, are you guys okay with me? giving the gold away like i'd love to if we win and i knew we were going to win because the just the way the teams were put together um can i give this away to my community and they were like no i thought you know then then it's it's yeah. you've screwed up and that's when i started making those really aggressive videos that actually did quite popular um and i felt quite good doing it because i felt like i was you know rubbing it back back into them and it's it's unfortunate, though, no? because I think most of us that were that were active players or active content creators, we saw the potential, and the potential never got anywhere close to the to the maximum. And we were going to participate in that tournament, but oh, we were cut off of like the, the last week. I re I was actually in the call. I'm never going to forget this, and I did something very disrespectful. I think because I knew there were guys and employees in the call. I didn't really give a rat's ass, and I think it was you explicitly that was mentioned about how you guys are actually semi-pro players. And even though that you make some of the greatest kill montages of the game and, and kill compilations, it was like, he's not really a YouTuber, he's just a pro player. And I heard that and I thought, holy shit, like we're being gifted, you know, a tournament that's gonna have no competition. It's supposed to be just entertainment. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously you could argue that having you and, and Panther and NST and, and, you know, a bunch of the Polish guys that I knew obviously would have been, you know, unfair, quote unquote, because somebody like me who was at the time playing quite casually just wouldn't be able to compete. But that's not the point. The point is if you're going to invite content creators, you have to invite all content creators. And I remember that time in the chat. I don't know what I did, but I must have like just made some random cat noises or whatever. I was screwing around because I was, I was so fed up with it. And then it kicked me out of it. And <laughs> It's just a funny memory that remained, but I, yeah, I felt genuinely like that—that that was the end for me. It was like the, the whatever respect I still had was was gone. I didn't know about that. Um, I, I I did know that. Um, I think someone mentioned to me that they cut us out because they, uh, well, they said one of our team members were. Uh, well, he was breaking some rule, mm. and instead of, instead of just kicking him and letting us get uh, Def in, in, which we tried to do, they just blew the the whole team off. Mm. Um, and I tried to get into another team, not because I wanted an E100. I had one already, uh, but I wanted to participate just because it was fun. No, it was, so it was I definitely get you. It was such an insult. Um, I think initially what actually happened was they wanted to get the Russians. So the Russian part of the community had their own tournament. All the Russian content creators fighting all the Russian content creators, and they had the same rewards. 
and then they made this one for the Europeans, and they still invited the Russians. And we were like, whoa, 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 you can't give them two chances, right? And obviously in my head, because I'm a bit of a, I had all the connections. I knew Think, I knew the clan and the cat and whatever they were called, clans. And my original thought was like, well, if I want to do well in this tournament, I'll just get you and I'll get all the bunch of the good guys. I'll just surround myself with quote-unquote pro players and I'll win, you know. And then they were just like, yeah, we're not going to let these guys play. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean you're not going to let them play? They make content. You know, they may not make entertainment, clickbaity videos of the dev server every five minutes, but they're they're contributing to the game just as much as everybody else, perhaps even more because you're actually teaching people how to be better. I was like, and now you're not going to let them play because what, they're too good? Isn't that the point of a tournament to have good players? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a joke. I mean, otherwise the, the prices shouldn't be that high if it was just entertainment. Yes. Exactly. Then there should be some funny decals or, or some, you know, uh, I guess people like you didn't need a shout out on, on the official War Thunder YouTube channel, but that's something they could do mm -hmm. as a as a price like this this and this person won this uh, go check out their channels and they're getting this uh, weird decal they would give out to to the followers that would have been enough i think yeah. yeah no there was a disconnection there was so many moments I remember in the past um there was this action that we were making with i think it was sligby and a bunch of others uh, soaring thunder was in there as a content creator and we I'll never forget it because I was in Greece with my family, sitting in the lobby of our hotel, stealing their Wi-Fi on a Discord call with some of the War Thunder moderators, thinking we had broke the code. We're like, we had a, a Word document that I still have somewhere on my desktop PC with all the changes that we wanted and BRs and everything. We did the work for them. And I thought, wow, like we're here on a moderator call. Surely that this is going to make all the difference. It made fuck all difference because it didn't make any changes. Like it was just ignorance, and I'm, I'm, you know, maybe I'm to blame too. I reached out to Anton, the CEO. Like I sent him an email that was a little bit too aggressive, and then I mentioned the R word, retarded, and then he was like, "Are you calling us retarded?" And I was like, "No, like you're doing retarded things. I'm not saying you are retarded. It's just that the work that you're doing, the decisions you're making, the the pressure that you're putting onto developers, your moderators, your admins, it's killing the company. You're wasting money." And no reply was heard from since. And it, it's painful because, you know, a part of me thinks that maybe if I was more friendly and more polite and there wasn't such a cunt back then, as Mags would say it, maybe that would have made the difference. But ultimately, I think so many of us tried. So many of us failed. Like, it's... I'm not Tuckle Carlson who can get put in on a, on a you know, podcast like this. And... Maybe that's what's missing. Maybe we need one of those. Maybe the biggest YouTubers should, you know, should that with Gaijin and then that would make a difference. But I also think that um, back then, I mean, a good Saturday or Friday evening with 80 to 100k players online, that was like, whoa, mm -hmm. many people are online right now. I mean, we're peaking over 200k right now. Damn. So they 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 don't even they don't care about the the small pennies they're getting. They're selling top tier vehicles for seventy dollars each. Um, they only care to get people in, yeah, and then keep them around for long enough until they realize, oh, this other nation I'm fighting all the time, that also has a good top tier jets I want to get. Mm -hmm. 
So they pay $70 for that one. And then half a year later, they release even newer top tier vehicles with a new premium. Yeah. You know, so they're basically getting like two, three, maybe even four for some people, full price AAA games. Um, just for people to play this quote unquote free game. <laughs> free, yeah. <laughs> they they don't care about the balance anymore. Yeah. The the new players, they're not gonna perform well, even though even if they made every vehicle like exactly balanced like perfectly balanced they're not gonna perform well anyway because they come in they get to top tier right away and then they don't know how the game works and because of this all the premium vehicles get dragged down in VR, and then the players who are good with them stomp everyone else mm -hmm. so there's never gonna be good balance as long as they do it on player statistics and as, as long as they're making this much money, balance is not priority number one. No. I, I used to hate them, I really did, but it was, it was it was last year when I was going through my 52 weeks of, of self-improvement and I made a bit of a video series and I realized, because I, I was short a couple of weeks, I didn't have content to upload, so I was like, you know, I'm going to throw out something more from the related, clickbait those, you know, five people to come back and watch. And I realized that, yeah, I can hate Gaijin, but when it comes to their business model, I have to respect them for being relatively genius. You know, the way they've run things, because I don't know when you started playing, but I, I was in, I think, in 2013, and I purchased the Ultra Advanced Pack, and it was like all the packs they had in one pack. And it was maybe, I don't know, 90 euros, something like that, which was expensive. But I thought, you buy this, you have everything in the whole game. You need nothing else. And then they started obviously adding and expanding. And maybe once a year, I felt like, oh, I'm going to have to buy something. And then as a content creator, you realize I don't have to spend any money, but I'm still you know, getting the freebies. And it wasn't until like tier four, 60 euro tanks were starting to come out, like a tiger. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. This is actually starting to be really expensive. Like all these nations, 60 euros per tank. Starting to do the calculations in my head, you know, and even as a YouTuber, I was like, wow, this is really, really expensive. They're they're printing money here. And obviously in my innocent mind, I thought if they make a lot of money, they're gonna make a better game. That's the way I always think about it. It's like currently this podcast isn't making anything, it's making me sense, you know, pennies. But the thought process for me is like, if I can get a sponsor, if I can get people to I don't know, donate or whatever the circumstance might be, if I can get some type of monetary value, then I reinvest it. There's a better camera, a better microphone. That's the way I ran my YouTube channel. Whenever I got cash from donations, from, from live streaming, from advert uh, revenue, I would invest it back into gear so I could give people better content. But with Gaijin, it feels like it's just take more, provide less and less, make the game more and more strict and, and problematic to the point where all the veterans are just departing or they're just stuck playing one or two vehicles that are the only ones that they can actually muster to play. Mm -hmm. I agree. And also, I think maybe I'm biased here, but all the all the old top tier vehicles, they're not top tier anymore. No. So all my you know lovely Mark Eight Meteor mm. uh, F2 Saber Mig 15, 17 CLs Venoms, they're trash now. <laughs> like unless you're on top of your game and. Yeah completely ignoring the planes that can kill you with front aspects like 30G missiles 
you're not gonna have fun. Uh, which kind of sucks. Do you actually. do you watch Formula One by any chance? Yes. Great, because I wanted to make this reference to people who don't play War Thunder and, and to get an idea of what it feels like is think of Michael Schumacher driving around in 2007 with a V10. That's that sound, that atmosphere. That's what it felt like for us when we were on, you know, Korea and you were in your meteor or a MIG or a Sabre and it was that was the peak. It's the peak of the game. You've spent years, months grinding to get to there and you've reached peak game and peak performance with peak players and it's just creme de la top. It's just the best thing ever. And then they just take it away. No more Michael Schumacher, no more V10, some weird regulations. I'm not saying that Formula right now isn't interesting because I think both of us still watch it and we love it and what's happening with, with you know, Hamilton going to Ferrari, all this stuff is, is incredible. Mm -hmm. But it's never going to be as good as it was in 2007. And I think it goes beyond, you know, nostalgia and sentimental value. It's legitimately somebody's ruining it and it sucks. I would say before when someone ruined a good match, it was uh, interrupting a 1v1. Mm -hmm. It was uh, landing or flying around your own AA cover. Yeah. It was... Uh, Helmet well, potato in space. <laughs> Helmet potato in space. <laughs> Dude, fuck that guy. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, yeah, he, he used a game mechanic that was completely legit. For people who don't know this, right? He used a bad plane to, to its like best strength. He's what, an aisle 28? Right, so there was this one player in the game who would, if he if he was in your match, you knew exactly where you'd find him. You would find him in a bomber with no bombs, flying literally in stratosphere. You couldn't get to him. Like it would take you. How long was it? Would it take? Like even in a jet, it would literally take you 20, 25 minutes. It's insane, mm -hmm. and you would just waste your time. And that, but that was him. Like that was his, you know, <laughs> that's what he was known for. And yeah. I wonder where he is now. Like if I can get that guy on a podcast, I'd be a happy man. Like. Mm -hmm. Is he still alive? Like, is somebody watching over him? <laughs> I haven't seen him for years. Yeah. But yeah, uh, and and now, when someone ruins a, a, a game now, all they need to do is fire a missile. Mm -hmm. Because it takes a... It, it takes a, a person with one arm to fire a missile. Uh, and they can kill the most godlike player with that missile. Because he doesn't have flares. Yeah. So there's no protection. That's how him. easy it is to run, like to ruin a game right now. Uh, doesn't take much. Takes, what, three keystrokes? Yeah. So obviously, a question I like to ask people is, do they still play the game? Obviously with you, you do. But I'll take it that you've, you've narrowed it down to only a couple of times per week or per month. You just do it for nostalgia values, probably keep connections with some of the guys you've met over the years. Uh, I don't play as much as I did before, uh, considering I have other duties now. Mm. Um, but um, I guess I play maybe th three hours every evening. I try to at least. And it's uh, mostly to keep up the, the, the contact with a few friends. Mm. Um, and right now we're just, you know, grinding battle passes and grinding <laughs> some event vehicles and stuff. And it's something to do when you don't care about stats anymore. You don't care about grinding vehicles because I don't want to play top tier. Mm -hmm. I usually stop at around 
10.0 in both tanks and planes. Uh, and it's just something to do, something to um, make sure you don't think about work, don't think about responsibilities. Mm. And um, I think it's a nice place to be a few hours every evening talking to friends and doing what you once loved but mm. less and not as strict and not as competitive or not competitive at all and um yeah just something to do yeah and definitely not as destructive as going out there getting pissed drunk every night wasting money on alcohol um yeah speaking of responsibilities we'll get we'll get to that in a second i wanted to ask you one more thing related to war thunder um obviously sweden was introduced as a country and you being a swede was there a lot of excitement for it like how does it feel when your own nation gets introduced does it add some value to it did it make you maybe love guys a little bit more or was it like just ah don't even bother um i mean i knew i wanted the, the like the top vehicles uh, i knew nothing about the low tier ones and it came too late uh if it would have come two years earlier then i would have been like crazy about it i would have probably spaded everything just you know you, you feel this connection to these vehicles even though you have i haven't seen many of them in real life because there aren't that many like military museums and stuff um but of course now when they add the 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 vegan and the gripen into the game of course it it brings some sentimental value but i still haven't flown them because they're just too high and the mm. gameplay is not not something i enjoy um I guess if they add a, a game mode where there is no missiles and you can just fly top tier vehicles using the guns, then that's probably what I would play. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I did feel that the 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 way you're asking. Uh it just came too late. Mm -hmm. Same with I think the way they added uh, really modern tanks before they added modern planes. Mm -hmm. Because when they added modern planes, I was already on my way out. Uh, if they would have done it the other way around, maybe I would have been stuck still. I mean, maybe it's for the better, you know. Obviously, my my point of view yeah, on gaming has changed quite a bit. Um, mm -hmm. The whole idea behind the podcast was really to inquire about the the other side of life of gamers. And you were, if I'm not mistaken, the first that I met through War Thunder, through some form of another, that became a father. And I found that incredibly um, motivating at the time, perhaps even shocking because I was in a mind, you know, hell, even a year ago, I was still in a mindset where I would never in a million years imagine starting a family. But then I, I myself met somebody who at the time made me feel a certain way, made me think about certain things. And I realized that there was something very beautiful about, about becoming a parent, becoming a father, you know, leading on the generations. So I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that. Um, I usually do zero research with my guests. I'm not running a, a high production podcast where I go you know, in deep on who you are and what you've done. So I actually know nothing of you. So the only thing I want to ask you is how old are you and how long have you been a father? I'm 28. And he's turning five in two weeks. Fantastic. Congratulations. In two weeks. It's close uh, to my yeah. birthday, actually. <laughs> oh, ninth. Okay, three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. 
was it something that made you scared? Was it like, was there a lot of tension to do with it? Or did you think it was? More... Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, it's uh, it was a complete change in, in my life uh, for the better, of course. Um, I continued uh well spending time by the pc until he turned maybe one they sleep a lot so yeah <laughs> you, you have a lot of time left over uh but when he turned one it was like i don't have time anymore um and to make sure i never had the time to play either i just sold the pc so uh, to really put the nail in the coffin beautiful say and i kept kept up uh, conversations and in contact with the old friends um but yeah i let it go completely i like pretty much unfollowed everyone because i didn't want to get dragged back in mm-hmm. i think i kept uh, defin on my subscription list just because you know if you want to watch someone actually do well and remind you of what it used to be like mm-hmm. it was him so i i kept watching him uh, but otherwise, my life changed like pretty much overnight. But it took me a year to realize to uh, to realize that I had to uh, give up the PC for a bit. Because mm-hmm. that's something beautiful about it, in the sense that you had to make a commitment, right? It's not a having a kid isn't something you can do. Like kind of maybe woulda shoulda. It's like you know you go you go fully into it, you commit to it, and you and I'm sure you're going to be a fantastic father. Are you uh, at any point thinking about, obviously, you know, when I was a kid, I remember my father, he was, um, he had a really old PC. Um, one of those, you know, clickety-clackety, um, I don't know what it ran on, some weird program. Um, and he introduced me to some basic games, you know, like the the two-dimensional um, kind of uh, Mario-looking things. And so do you, I, I assume you have, obviously, the, He's turning five soon. You've probably thought about how kids nowadays interact with, you know, with devices and watching things on, on iPads and whatever. Do you think you're going to try to be more restrictive as a parent or are you going to be very permissive in the sense of video games and that? Um, I'm not going to be restrictive mm-hmm. because I think in this day and age, there are, I can probably name a hundred other things that are more dangerous. Mm-hmm uh social media yeah. one of them um well i i work in um in a field where i visit a lot of schools both uh, like elementary schools and high schools and the way the kids act to each other um i don't think it was that bad when i went to school damn but um the ones that are not acting, um, well, I have no words to describe it that way. I guess you can say to each other, um, you can tell they're the the nerds sitting by a table with their laptop. Mm-hmm. So, I would rather have that than him being in a toxic like friend relationship with five other guys just doing weird stuff. Uh, so at the same time i don't want him to be you know like socially awkward 
of course I want him to have friends and go out and have like mm -hmm. play sports and everything, which he will. But I'm not gonna say you can't buy this. You're not gonna have this. Um, but I'm not gonna you know accept that he sits there maybe ten hours a day every weekend. Mm -hmm. But I'm not gonna be restrictive as in what he can buy um, and. I'm not restrictive with the iPad now, for example. Of course, it's nice to chill out after a full day at daycare mm -hmm. for half an hour before dinner is ready. Yeah. Um, but letting him sit with it for five, six hours, well, of course, there are boundaries. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not going to be like the, you know, the parents that say, no sugar, no uh, iPad, no this, no that. I guess I'm more into the, well, more liberal when it mm -hmm. comes to that. More permissive, yeah. yeah. Yeah, more permissive, yeah. What about, what's your opinion on, on rewards? There was um, a tweet I, I saw from a guy, uh, Patrick David. Now, he, he's a bit of a specific person. He's very, uh, the opposite of what you're describing. So he's very strict. He's like, my kid's going to be, you know, two hours of swimming and two hours of football and two hours of this. Like, he's not going to have, you know. But what he does do that I found interesting was in terms of reading so he was like for every I don't know page you read or 10 pages you read you'll get a certain amount of money and then the way he describes it like my kid thinks that I owe him money like he thinks that that he's ripping me off when in reality he's actually doing himself really good because he's reading you know he's educating himself and what's your take on that uh, well I don't think um, all information comes from books mm-hmm you can get it off the internet, you can get it off of documentaries, uh, well, you can even get it off of games, I guess. Um, but I think rewarding him for doing things he like, rather than rewarding him for doing things I want him to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if he wants to play football, then, well, reward him for every goal he makes. Or if he wants to read a book, or read 10 books every week, mm -hmm. then if that's what he likes, then reward him for every book he reads. Um, I don't think he will be happy if I try to force my interests mm -hmm. and my belief system on him and then reward him for not, for not being himself. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah, there was a period I'll never forget of about a couple of months where my dad, he did this thing. He said, I'll allow you to spend as much time on the computer as we spend going on a hike. I fucking hated every second of that hike, but I knew that the longer we walked, the longer I was going to get to play, you know, need for speed or whatever mm -hmm. it was. Um, and it created that weird reverse effect where you, you start to hate walking, but then the thing that you actually wanted to do becomes less pleasurable, yet you still want to do it more. And I think it sort of cycles you in. So I think it's wonderful that you, you view it from a, from that permissive perspective, and obviously within you know a certain set of boundaries, we don't want to. Mm -hmm. You know, you always see those kids that um, can't eat without their iPad, and and they're in like in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. and, you know, the kid will be loud and crying, and they just put them the iPad with some cartoon on max volume, so the whole restaurant has to listen mm -hmm. to it. That's that's the other extreme. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful. Um, a wonderful thing, because it wasn't just you then. Uh, later down the line, it was Squirefly also 
I knew became a dad and he's one of those people that are on the list that I want to talk to. And you know what? I often read this, especially comes from, actually from women, I've noticed more, where their friends start to get married, they start to have kids, and they start feeling this pressure of like, oh no, am I, you know, should I grow up? Or like, should I? And I, do you think that there should be this pressure on people where, you know, now that I know that you have a kid and he's already turning five and I'm not even, you know, I don't even have a partner right now. Do you think people should feel this pressure or is it something that you should let time affect you know, and it's going to happen when it happens. I think there are always going to be pressure on people for different things. Um, some get married and have kids when they're 18, 19. Mm -hmm. Some save every penny they get and buy a house. Some travel the world. Some, you know, invest all the money and buy a sports car when they're 25. <laughs> um, they they move abroad they well everyone is everyone are doing different things and uh, sometimes i can get jealous of people having loads of money in their savings accounts uh, that would be impossible for me right now having uh, a kid at such a young age like uh, i didn't have time to save up beforehand yeah. but i wouldn't trade it I would still choose this instead of having lots of money or having lots of success in some other field because this is like, this is what I chose. So people that haven't, well, if they're feeling the pressure of, oh, maybe I also should have kids or maybe I sh should also do that, you probably have something they want. Mm -hmm those people that are you know they might not um create like they might not create the pressure that you feel but you feel it anyway but those people are also feeling the pressure of things that you have without you creating it so yeah. that's the way i look at it so no i don't think people should feel uh, pressured to do something because you're probably doing what you want anyway wonderful way to put it the only question that i had was that kind of hard to describe but yeah i think you uh i think you understood yeah yeah i mean the only questionable or doubt that i've got within me is in regarding to when to have kids in terms of a part of me would love to have kids now being young you get to spend more time with them in your youth another part of me also because i'm a single child would prefer to have more kids and to have more kids like you said it's also good to have something saved up it's good to have some you know stronger foundation built and for that i see that there's a possibility of perhaps delaying this into my perhaps even late 30s worst case even early 40s in order to have more kids say five six seven you know however many you know god gives you could say and to have then the opportunity of this is a sacrifice it's a sacrifice because likely at that age you may not be able to see your uh, great grandchildren but it enables your family genes to go probably further than if there was just one child. That's sort of the mental aspect I'm playing around with. Do I want to go with this? Because there's, I think what we're currently facing in the world is, I don't know how many there's, eight billion people. And I think we might be at the Around peak, there. you know, we might be at the peak of all time. Because currently we have less and less people having less and less kids. 
at a later and later age. I think the average in, in our country, in Slovenia, is closing into 30 now, which is quite late based on the um, high fertility of women between 18 and 25. Um, and I think what's going to happen is you're going to have less kids that can have kids, and this drop-off is going to be dramatic and really quick. And we, you know, once the old part of the population dies, the, the people who are 70s, 80, 90, um, there's going to be a huge gap. And I don't think people realize just how quickly that's going to happen. You know, I heard this uh, portion of statistics that in, in South Korea, every hundred people that live there, there's going to be four grandkids. I'm no mathematician, but that's that's horrendous stats. It's like you're going extinct. And so it's in my best interest that, you know, we get that that rate of fertility higher that we get. I've been talking a lot about testosterone in men as well because that's been falling. And I think that's related to lack of fertility and we've got these diseases that are increasing and everything we're doing seems to be a little bit little bit off and then you know me as a as a future parent i hope one day the fear that i have is that you know the child will grow up in the environment i think this is the argument that, that a lot of people use i don't know how it is in sweden i've heard a lot of people a lot of women in slovenia say i don't want to have kids because the world is is horrible and i don't want to put them into this world and i think the world is beautiful precisely because you put people in there in order for them to make and you make a better world for them and then they make a better world for the people to follow and um you know i think the the connection to to me in that situation would be um i have two siblings mm-hmm. um who are seven and eight years younger so they have just reached adulthood pretty much um very different from me uh personality wise um and i didn't have much i guess you could say use for them (laughs) (laughs) until they turned maybe 13 14 because the things i was interested in they were just too small before um but yeah, of course, when when they are also like 30 and I would be, what, 37, 38, mm-hmm. and we all have uh, our families and we can, you know, gather up for, I guess, Christmas, New Year's Eve, everything like uh, all, like all kinds of celebrations and stuff like that. Of course, it's going to be a good time if you get along. Um, and at the same point, I'm feeling... If we just have one kid, as we have right now, I can put all my focus on him mm-hmm. and also on work at the same time. If we have one or two more, then my focus on work will go down. Of course it will. And also the focus for each kid will be what divided by the number mm, yeah. of kids you have. Um, I'm guessing my own interests will probably disappear for a while. Um, But then you get the reward when they are 18, 20. Mm -hmm. Then you get the reward of what uh, grandkids, everything like that, and seeing them, you know, grow up. And uh, so I guess it's it's a bit of like, um, I don't think there's a perfect way to do it. Mm -hmm. Same thing with at what age you uh, you have kids or in what situation and like point in life you have kids. I don't think there's ever a good point. <laughs> like 
You're you, never you fully just, prepared, you're trying to say, right? Yeah. Um, and like either you're probably a bit too old or you haven't been with your what significant other for that amount of time you want to be or you are too young mm. or you don't have the like financial stability you want there's always going to be one of those and you're going to feel like you're uh, doing something risky in in all of those situations so i think it's just like you decide or it just happens yeah. and you're not going to regret it unless you're in a really like really bad uh, point in life i guess but then there are solutions for that of course mm -hmm. uh, but yeah i don't think there's a perfect point or perfect like age or um, moment in life when it's good to have kids it's going to be different for everyone i think that's that's not just with having kids it's so many things we do you know i i've been preaching now to so many people that the most beautiful thing in life is just action it's just doing the thing you want to do thinking about doing it planning about doing it contemplating about doing it finding excuses about you not doing it none of that is actually doing the thing you want to do and that initial fear you have or the doubt but you know even just going out with a with a girl you know the guy will try to find the perfect moment to, to make a move on her to kiss her and it's like that, that moment's never going to come you're not in a movie it's not like the stars will align and the moon will shine on her face and she'll be like oh you know she'll have faith in your arms and like it's, it's not a it's not a disney movie and so in life you're constantly gonna have these these situationships where you feel like oh this isn't the perfect time you know i was gonna ask my boss for a raise but now i see that he's a little bit cranky so i'll wait until tomorrow and then the day after and the day after and that you never get it done and it's eating in the back of you and you can't sleep at night and you, you don't get things done and i think having a kid is should really be no different it's it's just like you said if it, it happens or you plan it but either way it requires determination and and the full commitment that we mentioned right you can't do it half-assed you can't be with one leg in there and one leg in the relationship and, and still thinking about option b c and, and w you just you just go with it and you appreciate that that's i mean it's so it's so incredibly beautiful because i remember two years ago i i was um shown andrew tate by someone and i, I saw a clip from this guy and he said look around you everything was built by men and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess he's got a point. But all the men that built all the things around us were made by women. And I feel that was even more beautiful because it's like women make all the people. And that's, we don't think about it enough. You know, it's like you and I are really insignificant in that aspect. We donate, you know, a couple of ounces of, of some liquid and then magically a kid pops out nine months later. And you're like, whoa, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> and I think mm -hmm. that, looking at that from from the perspective of how incredible life is and how rare it is that, that this occurs um it is beautiful i think it makes you love you know obviously the the bond that you feel to your son is something that i i don't understand yet um but i'm i'm so looking forward to it it's like i was today talking to two coworkers and one of them had just recently fallen in love again and he was describing the butterfly feelings you know the honeymoon phase and i thought God, what would I give to feel that feeling again? I feel happy for him. And then I thought, now that we're talking about this, how this love that, that you feel for a child, it's yours, that you made, I haven't felt that yet. And it's, it's waiting for me somewhere. And, is this, and I'm excited for it. You know, now you just got me really excited about something that, that will happen in the future, hopefully. 
Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, having to go back to, um, well, I guess uh, being in the whole dating scene again, uh, feeling, well, the butterflies you were just talking about, uh, but for another woman instead of a kid, I wouldn't trade what I have for for that because I know that if I did the end goal is to get where I'm at now mm -hmm. so why would I start over again from zero to get maybe to where I am now um, not worth it beautifully said man before you were talking about um you know, the, the way I look at it now is I've started looking at life a little bit more long-term. I think most gamers and those who are still playing War Thunder and listening to this podcast, I think the biggest mistake most of these people are making is they're thinking from today till tomorrow. You know, and we sort of, and we live life, maybe they think about a couple of months, maybe they think about a year ahead, but when you were before describing having one kid and giving more attention to him or having several kids and obviously that being a sacrifice, if you look really far ahead when you're really old and you're a granddad, maybe a great granddad, and obviously having more kids, having been a bigger sacrifice, does also mean that those kids, if you know you had good relationships with them and if none of them you know died, God forbid, then those kids will be there to surround you with. And I I know that there were so many studies done and they asked people, you know, in their very, very late age about what was the thing that they sort of regret the most? It all boiled down to family, that they didn't spend enough time with their family, that their relations with family wasn't good enough. Um, and, you know, it might be a running joke with, with um, Vin Diesel from uh, Fast and Furious franchise, like, you know, the family is everything, familia is todo, but like that legit is everything. Like, who do you turn to when things go bad? Like, you know, when, when you realized you were gonna, you were going to become a father, the first person that you probably told were your parents, right? Like you're like, mom, like you're going to be a grandmother, and then you get to share that that love further. I think that's beautiful. I agree with you. I do. And I think if we look at life through that lens and realize that there's beauty rather than that, you know that fear. Obviously, I know there's fear. There has to be fear to do with it. Like. Oh no, she's pregnant. That's like the first level fear. Like, oh no, then that. Oh, oh no, then she's gonna have to give. Oh no, I have to do this. But then, I mean, it's not. You know, it can't be that bad because, like you described, you're that the butterflies. You now realize there's an even greater feeling of love, and I think perhaps the next step or the end step might be that you know that kid comes to your deathbed and feels contentment for you, and you can just be like, yeah, this guy's gonna be okay, and you can just pass on to. You know, whatever comes next, if you believe in, in the afterlife or reincarnation or whatever it might be. But I think all of us would would fare far better in life if we just go by living every day, you know, happy, content, not having to worry about what's to come because you know you've done a good job. Mm -hmm. I also think um, the only part of of him being the only child that both me and... Uh, his mother are, are are scared of is when he's gonna be alone when we pass away mm. like when 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 we move on uh he's gonna be alone like he's not gonna have any siblings to discuss 
uh, what, what casket to get. Uh, um, how do we plan the um, well the funeral? How do we do this? How do we sell their house? Uh, every everything like that. He's gonna be all alone with if we uh, well I guess die at the same time or very close to each other or God forbid an accident or something. Uh, then I think that's the only thing we're like scared of. That, but that's, that's such other a than high. That, he's he's gonna yeah. he's gonna have uh, considering we were both very young. He's probably gonna have kids of his own mm -hmm. when we pass away. So um, he can always like have those helping him or yeah. some very close friends or maybe family friends of ours. Like there's always gonna be people around to have have them close to you or help have them help you get through uh, tough situations or tough moments in life it doesn't have to be siblings that's beautifully said i think that's just a such a high level of of love where you at the age of 28 are thinking about a child when he's going to be at the age of i don't know 45 50 when you pass away that's such that's long-term thinking that even Warren Buffett wouldn't come up with, with his investment stories. You know, that's incredible. I guess you can say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's, no, it's beautiful. I'm extremely happy for you. Thank you. Because there's, there's this fear among, among men, especially nowadays, they're like, um, you know, I don't think women don't want to put people in this life. Men don't want to have kids because of, I don't know what reason. And, it's a shame because I think it's one of the most beautiful things you can do. And, you know, unless you're going to be somebody who, who really makes a, an impact on the world, you know, in the shapes of Elon Musk or, you know, invent something, which the chances of are extremely rare, you won't be remembered. You know, when Warren Buffett dies, he can have as many billions as he wants. Even he's going to have a regular grave, maybe a bit of a bigger tombstone, but that's about it. You know, with the exception yeah, of pharaohs who were, you know, put into those sarcophaguses and, and hidden in a in a pyramid or a, you know in a tomb somewhere. Um, in the day, we're all the same. You know. Yeah. I was going to ask you this: Are you are you religious? No, nope. not at all. Interesting. I I believe in some things, mm -hmm. but I I guess it's like parts from different religions. But uh, no, I'm a like I guess you can say full-blown atheist mm -hmm. uh, and this might come off as a offensive thing but I think religion is stupid <laughs> <laughs> just because like the majority of the the problems in this world and well I guess you can say wars mm -hmm. some people say it's political but yeah it's both political and religious. Uh, many of them would be solved if you just didn't believe in some small or big or uh, weird guy who used to live maybe a mm. couple of thousand years ago. Uh, I just don't see the reason for it. I have also been trying to read up on it to get an understanding of how these people feel that are very, very religious um and i guess it's 
a way of feeling um, that you have a purpose and you have a purpose on this planet because some guy in the sky uh, lets you live here and mm -hmm. he gives you food and you're supposed to do this and this and this for him and you're not supposed to do this and this and this and this um, so I guess it's like what laws and rules used to be a couple of thousand years ago when you didn't have trials or you didn't have jails you just didn't do certain things because you believe you believed in a um, in a system where you weren't allowed to do those things because bad things would happen to you but now we don't have that uh, way of living anymore now there are you know strict laws there are like rules to follow and i guess they in some way replace what you used to have religion for um i'm all for religious freedom and i don't think any religion is more stupid than another one <laughs> uh i just think people can believe in whatever they want but people who live for a religion um i think they either need to live like that because of some reason they maybe feel that's the only way i will live a good life mm -hmm. or it's um it's something they have been you know something that has been crammed into their head since they were kids and now they have to do the same to their kids to not make their you know parents or family feel ashamed or mm -hmm. or um the the risk of them you know cutting off contact with you because you're not moving the religion on to your kids and that's i think when you get into a like um bit of a problematic situation um but other than that let people believe and but also let people not believe mm. like don't force your beliefs on someone wonderful yeah obviously I'm, I'm i'm a little bit different i i was a atheist most of my life then i learned about agnosticism and i was like this this sounds even better um but as of the last year as of especially the last couple of months i started to realize that there's some beauty in, in believing in, in whatever it might be, you know, because before you go to bed, you could praise God, whoever that is, your entity, you know, choose Zeus if you want, or Poseidon or whatever it might be, the Greek gods or the, the you could go to the Hindu world, praise Buddha or whatever, you know, you choose. Um, you could praise your grandparents, you know, like my granddad's now passed away. It's been just a, I think a two year anniversary now. And I, I like to think of him as well. Like, that everything I do in life is sort of on a goal that perhaps one day I'll get to meet him again, right? And seeing that he was a good person, at least in my eyes, I think I'd have a better chance of meeting him in heaven than meeting him in hell, if we take that that example. Um, and I actually took it upon myself to read one of the holy books in the last in the last month, and I chose one that wasn't uh, that I wasn't surrounded by. I didn't go for the Bible, even though everybody here is Christian. I actually read the Quran because I was interested. What, like, what is it like? What are these people? Why is it different? Uh, because you hear things from other people that are perhaps offensive, or you have these perceptions that were made by media and, and you know people. Obviously, when 
their culture is not natural. They tend, we tend to joke around about things and we make racist remarks. And this is all part of being a gamer as well because we we love we love black humor. You know, we love being really aggressive and stuff. And and I wanted to learn about a different culture. And I found, yeah, there was some stuff that I don't fully agree with or understand. I do view it in the sense very similar to the way that we talked about you becoming a father. We have to make a commitment. I feel like specifically the Quran is written in such a way that if you want to join, you know, Islam, then you have to go fully into it otherwise it doesn't count um what i found interesting about it was the way that it's laid out it lays out life and we've talked a lot about this how you are building this life from essentially from this point on since you've been a father it's no longer so much about you it's now about your kid and the way they describe it the way that i understood when i was reading the book is that the hereafter they they, they mentioned so the heavens for christians it's that's where the pleasure comes. That's where the beauty is. That's where everybody gets to to join in the beautiful garden of of you know everything. And you'll have green silk garments and 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 water will flow and you will have whatever food and fruit you want. But the life that is here now, the life that that we're currently living, this life is described as pain, described as as hard work. This isn't the part we are supposed to enjoy. So. What I find is that there's some people who will say, I'm not going to have kids because I want to enjoy life. I'm going to party and spend money and gamble and, and drink and do drugs and entertain myself and I'll pass away and who cares, nothing will come out of it. And I, I kind of see how that is detrimental and a religion from whatever point of view, of course, you, you view it, is necessary to keep that high fertility, to keep kids in the world, to keep, like you said, Balance, right? Law. Before we had the current system, something else had to be put into place. Uh, but I like it that you're um, uh, accepting, right? That you're not one of those people who says, don't believe, right? Just don't believe or just believe. Uh, because the whole polarization, I think, is quite quite bad for people when they're like, you know, I mean, me personally, I, I'm going to, over the course of the next couple of years, probably make my decisions whether or not I want to fully commit to religion, whether I want to like, take the best of all religions and mix it up, if that's something that counts, or just stick to being an atheist or agnostic. Um, but I think for the ultimate goal is what you're doing right now is you're sacrificing portions of your life in order for somebody else to have their opportunity in here, in the next life, in, in whatever way you want to look at it. And so that he can also do that and, 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 and give it on, you know. There's these videos on, on, on the internet where people go around and they're like, do you want to you know, take these two dollars or double it and give it to the next person and double it and double it. And I think that's the way I look at kids is you you take some of that life you have, sacrifice a bit of it, add some happiness to that package and you give it to that kid and you're like, double it and get it to the next one. Mm -hmm. I am thinking of something you said there um, of you you shouldn't feel like this life is the well this divine thing and that you should suffer in this life to have mm -hmm. something better in the next or to end up somewhere and you also said that um i'm not gonna have kids i'm gonna do this and that and enjoy myself and have fun i i think of it in a different way, but kind of the same, um, as in, I don't think 
the way of living where you just save money you prepare for a retirement mm -hmm. and you think i'm gonna live when i'm when i'm uh, when i'm 60 when i have loads of money when i have a stable like life and i just have a few years left to retirement well what if you die when you're 45 then you have just been working 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 to get to a point where you can relax and then it doesn't happen you get ill you die you meet someone you accidentally get you know well, robbed scammed whatever um i'm not saying you should spend every penny you have at this moment mm -hmm. but why not buy the things you want in a year or why not go on this trip you have always been wanting to go to or go on uh because you want to wait like for a better opportunity no do it now when 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 you're feeling healthy and you have the time to do it do it now that yeah. that's my way of looking at it yeah only thing i would add to this is the part of sacrifice um, obviously you don't believe in god but one of the, the ways that i like to look at it is is like this is even if you only have very little but you're not willing to give that away to God so that he can, you know, in the promise that he will give you something greater, something eternal, then you're not worthy of it. And I like to look at that not as God, but as life. I like to look as God, that God is life. And so if I'm not willing to give that little part of me, however little I have left, whether that's money or energy or time or love, if I'm not willing to give that to the world, the world will surely not give it back. And that's... Yes, yeah, I agree. You know, because so many people like to just save or manifest, just, I want more. Mm -hmm. and, and I always think of, of Lord of the Rings and the, the, the ring little guy, you know, the, the goblin, um, Smeagol, right? Or Gollum, where he's like, you know, Gollum, Gollum, this is precious. And I was just sitting there like, <laughs> he wants that mm -hmm. ring and everything that comes within all the power. And it's like... You're not worthy of it. Maybe that's what Lord of the Rings is about, how they're not worthy of the ring. Only Frodo, who's actually got a good heart, is willing to then cast it into the fire. And obviously it's just a story, but, you know, it's yeah. all of us like to live partially like, like we want to be the heroes of our own journey. You know, if, if your life is your own movie, you want to you want to finish it, should it finish it beautifully. Like I, I'd like to think that both of us, when we're on our deathbed or wherever our death's going to come, maybe it's in a car accident, nobody knows, you know, but um, we want it to be somewhat content. Like, yeah, I've, I've, I've had the rejections I was, I was going to have. I had the failures. I, I made the kids I wanted to make. I, you know, I lived the life, you know, I traveled, I did this, I did that. No fear. And also I, the feeling of, I didn't skip out on opportunities because having an opportunity to do something and choosing, well, the safe, uh, maybe fun in the moment, but m maybe generally quite boring uh, choice uh, might not always be the best thing. Like try new things and um, you don't have to jump on every 
I guess you can say bandwagon or mm. or any like adventure that comes comes close to you, but at least do it sometimes. Like, if you have an opportunity to take a new job, then yeah, maybe do it. Like if and if you don't enjoy it, then hopefully your old uh, workplace is uh, a good one and they will take you back in a few years. Yeah. Um, like try new things. Don't just sit around and have life uh, rolling on next to you. Yeah. Like, tr- try to be there to actually steer the, the boat mm-hmm. instead of just sitting next to it. Beautifully said. Like, I'd extend on this by saying that there was a quote I heard from a, from a guy who came to one of our masterminds. He said, if I don't make something of myself, it's essentially showing a big middle finger to my granddad because he went through a lot harder shit. Like, he didn't get to choose stuff. He didn't get to choose a new job and choose this and choose that. And now we live in a time of abundance, in a time of plentifulness, where everybody can make as many choices from as many different you know, perspectives that they want. But we don't. That's the, uh, the irony of it. The more choices you have, the less you're actually willing to make a choice. And you're falling back to, to the old standard, where it's like, then, then go to a third world country. Live with them. They don't have any choices. They don't have an option. Like They have that one job they can do, that one pair of old shoes they've got, that you know, one same bowl of rice they're eating, go live their life. But don't think that you're being modest or that you're being, you know, some, some kind, in some weird way, fair to the world by having the abundance of choice and not making choices. Because really what you're doing, you're, you're sacrificing and robbing you and your potential future kids and everybody else of something beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Before we were doing the podcast, actually, we were in a little bit of a correspondence, and you did mention that you have maybe a question or two to bounce back at me. I think now is the time for you to to throw me the bait. Um, so I have a few, um, and I guess my my end goal with these questions mm-hmm. is to have you. Um, well, I guess reflect on them and compare them to other people, mm-hmm. your answers. Um, you can compare them to me if you want to, but compare them to others at least. And I know you've been uploading videos since I pretty much left and I haven't been watching them, but I never had like your story, mm-hmm. I guess from when you first started playing until now how you have been feeling mentally up and down what's mm. big choices you've made have you uh did you go back to school did you uh did you do uh, this and that move abroad uh, yeah. stuff like that mm. um so we will start with that question, and then I have another very much so easier one to uh, to uh, okay. to end with. I've I've answered this question obviously a bunch of times, but but not in its entirety, not from the, from all the aspects. So I'll try to be very condensed to give you a, an overview. So 2013, I start playing. I'm leaving high school, um, and everything that happened over the next ten years. I I said in the podcast with Cosra, I said it was a combination of three breakups. So the first breakup, it wasn't really a breakup because the girl and I was just weren't really t- 
together. But that that first breakup got me into into the gaming world. Essentially, when we broke up, I was like, I need an escape. My escape was War Thunder, and I just went harder into it. That's when I started streaming. That's when streaming picked up. So I was like, okay, this is, this is a beautiful thing. Again, I look back at that breakup, and I think, without it, I would have never gone into the world of gaming. Beautiful thing. And then I was playing, and that was that was a whole career time, you know, 500 viewers on Twitch, everything was, was booming, popping. That was the good time for me until 1.69, right? So close air support gets, gets banned. War Thunder is no longer the way that I want it. And that was also the same time when, when I left high school, uh, in 2016, I joined English. So I was at university, I was studying English after half a semester. I was like, this isn't for me. You know, I was making enough money through content creation that it wasn't the question of, am I going to be able to do this from a monetary standpoint? But I wanted to see, is this a lifestyle I want to live for the next five or so years? Do I want to be a YouTuber? Is this something? Because a lot of kids, they dream of doing it. But actually doing it is a completely different ballgame. And I did that for a year. And I realized, wait a minute, I, I, I missed the social life. Like, because I thought I was an introvert. But I don't think that introverts exist. I think everybody's extroverted. They just have to go through a bit of a process. I felt lonely. You know, I would hang out with 500 people on a live stream, but none of those people were there personal. And it felt very empty. It felt very lonely. And after a gap year, I went back to the same university, studying this time geography and pedagogy. Because God knows why that was a good idea. Um, and around about the same time, I met my second girlfriend but my first serious relationship and this was like you know you're having sex for the first time everything's amazing it's beautiful you have motivation and this is where cycling entered my bloodstream and I was like I realized I can replace the gaming addiction with a sport and this was sort of growing 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 and there was some tension happening and then everything snapped because I couldn't finished the school I failed one really important exam and, and I was like I'm not going to repeat this again I just I rage quit the girlfriend left me because that was a I, th I think it made sense like she looked at a guy who was an ex-content creator trying to find himself he's being all over the place he doesn't know what he wants to do in life and I joined a culinary school a higher vocational college so it's a two-year school and I applied to it as a outside student so I was paying for it um, I even got a 50% discount on it because there, there was so few of us and I thought what I was going to do is just pay that money so I have a student status with which I can then work a little bit more flexibly. And I wanted to try what it was like to work in the kitchen. But what actually happened was I liked the school so much that I was like, you know what, I might as well finish this, right? And I started working in the kitchen and I realized that the combination of cooking food and cycling really was, was replacing the, the gaming part. And then I got addicted to cycling to the point where... I did like 2020, I did 16,000 kilometers. And at the end of the year, I go to a New Year's party. I'm talking to a girl. And I was still relatively, like, I was reasonably decent with talking to women, but nothing out of the ordinary. And she said, well, so what were you up to this year? And I'm like, yeah, I've just mostly been cycling. Oh, like, how much? And I'm like, yeah, 16,000 kilometers. She's like, what? And I'm like, no, but that, that's just like, that's 586 hours. And something clicked in my head. And I was like, wait a minute. 16,000 kilometers, less than 600 hours. But I spent over 10,000 playing War Thunder. And it, the whole world started just breaking down. Because once you have the perspective, 
And obviously, I I did so much with Warthorn. I learned about history. I developed English. I made friendships. I made money. I had all these things. But then I think about the average player that does none of that, wastes the same amount of time, wastes money on all those premium vehicles and whatnot, and loses their shit half the time because they're not actually enjoying the game because the game isn't made to be enjoyed. And I realized how much of a waste it was. And then my savior was actually the third relationship I popped into. And this relationship was, this was the first woman I've ever been with. Something in my head was like, dude, I think you should be a dad. And then again, my, my world started twisting. And I realized you're now a person who spent 10 years developing English, being in a world of essentially entrepreneurship, content creation, right? You love talking. You love sharing ideas with people. You love learning. Why are you working in a kitchen? Why are you working for 12 hours in something that you know gives you a, a smidget of enjoyment, but it's not something you're good at? You're never going to get good pay. You're not going to be compatible with most people you're going to date. And again, my world started crumbling down. And I, I left that relationship. I was like, look, I'm sorry, but this isn't fair to you out of all things because she was studying in a very high field uh, to be a doctor and whatnot. I was like, this is not fair to this person. I need to fix my shit up. And then again, you get into that bubbling state of just void where it's like, you're lost. You don't know exactly what direction to take it. And I started one day at a time. Finish the thesis. Fix your, your body. Fix your mental health. Do this, do that. And in a matter of one month, my life changed completely because everything clicked into place. And that was the start of also, I started to believe in something. I no longer believe in, in this is what I said, you give something to life, life will give back. And whether you believe in God or believe in your, your ancestors or energy or, or, you know, or God, it's there. And over the course of the last year, life has changed so beautifully that I'm no longer able to look back and think, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have done that. It's like everything I did was exactly perfect, done correctly at the exact same time that it should have been done because it led me to today. Because if I go back two years and I fix this relationship and if I go back one year and fix that mistake that I made and you know get it, that job that I maybe wanted to get at the time, then I wouldn't be here today the way I am, talking to you, having such a beautifully clear mind and just growing day by day. And all I want to do is just share that. So my, my mental journey was, it was all over the place because until maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, I wasn't really thinking about my mental health because we always think I'm just okay. No, I want to be happy every day, essentially. Like, because I do believe happiness is partially a choice, mostly a choice. You know, you wake up in the morning, you think, Oof, I'm alive. Like if you gave people, <laughs> this is a wonderful test to take, right? But imagine that there's a dice. People love gambling. Imagine there's a dice. Before you go to bed, roll the dice. Don't look at it, just roll the dice. Go to sleep. And choose a number. And if that number is, is on the dice in the morning, you would have been dead. And every time that number doesn't roll up, you're going to be happy that you're not. Or you could flip a coin or whatever it might be. Like, we, we take it for granted. We take life so for granted that then we, we face these weird obstacles of of pleasure. What pleasure do I want to take? What beautiful car do I want to drive? What what woman do I want to be interested in? What, what food do I want to eat tomorrow? It's like, dude, these are not problems. These are beautiful things. Like you should really be happy. You've got you've got a work to go to. Oh, poor, poor you. Like you should be excited you're going to work. 
You're doing something good. You're earning money. You can then spend that money for something nice, right? Buy your girlfriend something. Buy your kid something. Get a kid. When you have that mental switch, when you know that you're on the right path, the only thing you really want to do is share it with the world. And that's why right now I've, I've switched my own engine into overdrive where I'm like, everybody else needs to know this, feel this, experience this. Because I'm sick and tired of, of seeing people depressed. I'm sick and tired of opening YouTube and seeing a guy tell me that he's, you know, this close to giving up. Um, and I'm, I'm speaking from first hand because over the years of being a content creator and, and still to this day I get text in, into my DMs on Instagram or Discord where people say, dude, you know, something that you said years ago saved my life. And that means to me more than any donation I ever got, any YouTube video that got viral. And when you live for that, when you live for people, when you live for the love, the energy, then life's beautiful. So I'm sorry for the long answer, but I, I hope I was able to to wrap up the mental aspect of it. Yeah, definitely. That was good. Lovely. Thank you. <clears throat> hey, when I have the easier question. <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, you mentioned it in the beginning. Um, and if it was kind of a a running joke, I want to say, um, that I had a really close connection to the, to the think or thunder squadron. Mm -hmm. Um, many of them I had been looking up to since I started playing. And then when I actually got into the circle of talking to them casually and maybe even getting to play with them every once in a while, not in tournaments, but in random battles. You know, I felt like this, like mascot or this kid that just you know can you know come along when they <laughs> when they're doing their serious shit, and then all of a sudden you join, I think, and I don't know if it was out of uh, jealousy from other people or if it you know was just a joke, but I guess think got this nickname of being the orange doom squadron <laughs> oh my god i never knew this and uh, i know the people that were in there hated the idea of being <laughs> the orange doom squadron because people that um knew of think because of you they had no idea that these guys were world-class players or that they did tournaments before you joined or everything like that and they just had this reputation of being in orange dooms squadron like you didn't own it but it looked like you did because you were the most known player in there uh so yeah that was just like a little side side note but how did you end up in there and did you ever have the um well did you ever think you would be in there to play or were you just in there because it was some place to stay? I think to prefix it, I, I know, I still remember the first squadron I was ever in and it was a, a guy called Harder Koenig that I found on a walk in the forums and he invited me into some, I think it was SRB or something like that. And then I was in Clan, I was in Cat, I was in a lot of these squadrons before people really knew me for YouTube. When I joined Think, and this isn't 100% accurate because I genuinely don't remember it, but I think I was approached by Copsy or 
yeah, one of the guys, and they, they invited me to be a test caster for a test episode of what was going to be Thunder League. And I was like, of course, like surely I'm going to join. I get to join one of the best squadrons in the game and I get to to, to do commentary for their, their test of something that could really be big. And it turned out it was big. The problem is at the time, I was a bit of a cunt. Like I was a massive cunt because that was the whole character that I, that I created. You know, people have to realize that the Orange Doom was created because it had all the attributes that my life didn't have. I was like, I'm not confident, I'm shy, I'm introverted. Let me make a character online that's all those things multiplied that I wanted. So it was arrogant and cocky and, and bombastic and aggressive. And it worked because people loved watching it. But unfortunately, yeah, with it came a lot of bad energy, a lot of bad people, a lot of bad drama, right? And now... Now that I look back at it, I do probably feel a little bit bad because the guys in Think and, and other squadrons and other people that were affected by this, they worked really, really hard to build that skill set, to build the reputation, all for then be sort of tarnished by some, you know, orange prick joining and, and, and bringing along his Doom army or whatever it was at the time. Um, because some of the respect fell down. And even though, yeah, I always wanted esports to be big. I wanted to be part of it at least as a caster if not also sometimes a player um but that's that's the side part i think of having a reputation of any sort there's always going to be this shadow that follows you there's always this presence of of just jealousy of of anger of denial of and and even now obviously before i mentioned or or answered your question rather regarding mental health i think the biggest development and one of the biggest things i'm so I'm actually proud of this, was that I was able to, through War Thunder, develop an ego, because I didn't have an ego before, but I had to develop it first, took it way too far, and then completely abolished it. And now, I look forward in the mornings, I would wake up, and I'll look at comments on Instagram reels and the YouTube shorts from these podcasts I put out, and I love reading hate comments. I get energy from them, I feel good. I feel bad for some of these kids because I know that they're the actual people that need help. But I'm also I'm happy because I know that if they're watching it, eventually they're gonna it's gonna click for them. Eventually they're gonna hear something, a sentence, a paragraph, a quote, and it's gonna just make them think. And when they start thinking, no pun intended, they will change and they will come back and they will apologize. And I'll say, I don't really care. You're on a good path. I'm happy to see you succeed. I'm happy to see you happy. And 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 life's better that way. And everybody needs to abolish their ego. And if you don't have it, you have to build one yet. Mine was through an alter ego. I made a lot of damage. I made a lot of enemies. I'm in the process of trying to fix some of that. I'm in, in hopes that I get to talk to some people like Mags, who hasn't responded to my email limitation yet. And maybe he never will, but um, those are the people that I want to talk to the most. You know, not just the people that yeah. I had good relations with, but also people that I sort of really had beef with. To apologize, to catch up, to have a chat, you know, to give them a virtual hug, because it just life feels better that way. I uh, th and that's what I really like the the fact that you you really did go from like zero to one hundred to maybe zero again, <laughs> or even negative at one point, and yeah. then back to zero. Um, and I guess I did the same. Um, not in maybe the, the way that people, you know, view me in 
well in War Thunder or on YouTube, uh, because just as you described, I was also this um, well, not shy. I would say I was quite social, um, but I was never this guy who, you know, took attention or grabbed everyone's attention. I was always the guy who stood next to the guy who got all the attention. I was, and I was just this, you know, quote unquote nice guy. Uh, who didn't really get seen, but no one really hated either, mm-hmm. or no one disliked. No one had beef with me, uh, but I was never the first choice for anything. And then I got this um, really, I guess, depressing time in my life where from the moment I was like 14, 15, um, something like family related happened and everything just like you know crashed down and from that point i think that was like 2011 and until 2013 i had pretty much nothing to do and from 2013 i started playing war thunder with a couple of real life friends then they stopped and like one or two years later i was in this like big world of uh, content creators around me, tournament players around me, and I just play the game, and apparently it it's pretty much the only game I've ever been good at. Um, without sometimes without trying, and sometimes with trying really hard. And but outside of the game, I was miserable. Um, had nothing to do. I finished school, actually, uh, finished high school, but I had nothing to do outside of the game. I, well, I had my family, but I didn't have any real life friends, um, and I was quite miserable. So whenever someone um, did something in the game or in the, well, Discord wasn't a part of the community then, but TeamSpeak, Whenever someone attacked me on a personal level, I really took it uh, took it really bad, and I didn't want people to know what my name was, what I looked like, because I was insecure and I hated the idea that they would see through this whole, you know, image I had created for myself by being this like player everyone knew of. And then it kind of changed in, I'm thinking this is 2016, where I apply for the army. And, well, being depressed, I uh, was on some, uh, well, sleeping medication, mm-hmm. which was also like, uh, you know, a happy pill. And I passed every, like, series of the of the test, and... As soon as the well, there's a psychiatrist who talks to you and just to see how you how you mm-hmm. hold up mentally. And as soon as I told them that I was on this medication, they said, "Well, then we're sorry, you cannot join." And I was gutted because I had been there for a few days, like it was you know staying over, which was new to me um, at you know a military facility. Mm-hmm. And from that moment on, 
like from, from the, the, I think the morning after I stopped taking the medication and I just felt everything was getting better and better and better. Um, I found some, well, part-time job. Uh, I didn't enjoy, but it gave me some money that I could, well, live at home and not comfortably, but I could live at home. Um, and I finally found, a, well, not a full-time job, but like part-time, more hours than I had already. But it was 700 kilometers away, okay. close to a relative of mine. So uh, he, uh, well, he basically told the uh, employer that if, if my relative comes over, then you give him the job. So they did, and I moved there with maybe two or three weeks' notice, um, packed up all my shit, uh, took my PC with me, and then I lived there for a year. I built up a financial, like, I guess, stable platform for someone who didn't have any money before. It wasn't much, but it, I, I did okay. Uh, I played a shit ton of War Thunder during that time because I just worked, and as soon as I was done with work, I played until I had to go to work the next time. This was, I think, 2016 to early 2018. Um, and I realized I want to pursue a different career because I didn't like my job, but it was okay. So at that part of the country, there are no schools. So I moved, moved back home, make sure I have a stable job until I find the education I want to pursue. I then meet my well current girlfriend at work and we move in. And very shortly after that, it was a very tough summer. I worked my ass off and um, I just said to her, like, I can't do this anymore. I can't work here and I can't continue like this, uh, working like this tough of a job and earning this little, I guess. And I didn't, you know, feel well. Uh, I was feeling I was, you know, going back to how I felt before, mm -hmm. you know, before I actually moved away. And so I go into this website where, uh, well, they have all the like available educations on there. And I find one, it says it started yesterday. So I apply for it and it was basically, uh, property management, um, and it, I guess you can say you, you manage uh, heating, ventilation, and uh, electricity in buildings from a like office kind of job. Uh, I apply, they call back the next day and tell me there are you know, spots open. And they tell me to come for an interview in two days. So <laughs> I, I go there. Um, I guess I did well on the interview because they told me I could come the next Monday and start uh, the education. And in during this education, there is a um, uh, like work experience part for like twelve weeks, 
and the place where I had my work experience is the place I have now been working at for two and a half years. And during that like school period of two years for the education, that's when we had our kid. So I went from like a couple of years before not having, you know, any real life friends to maybe five years later having an education, a kid moved out and found someone I want to live with. It, everything happened very quickly. <laughs> um, and I realized very early on that, well, I couldn't continue playing uh, video games like I did. And then right now I'm here. So I guess I took some of your advice before I even heard it. <laughs> Life works in mysterious ways, but it's like you said, it, yeah. it all happens very quickly. Like when it's... Sometimes I, I think of the, well, this military uh, career mm -hmm. I wanted to pursue. And, well, my goal back then was to become an aircraft technician. I didn't actually want to, you know, like, you know, become a full-on officer. But I wanted to work with planes or with tanks or something like that. And I would still want to do that. But now I have something else. And I am here because I failed on that test. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise I would probably still be on medication. And I wouldn't have moved away for a job. Uh, so I guess same as you. Everything happens for a reason. And I guess everything happens so perfectly that you end up where you are right now. And I guess unless you're miserable at the moment where you are right now is probably perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I think of a perfect thing to wrap it up. And that is the words from, from one of the best painters of all time, Bob Ross, who said, there are no mistakes, just happy little accidents. Mm -hmm. Thank you, man. It's wonderful talking to you. I see you're doing you. fantastic. I wish you all the best for your, your girlfriend, your kids, your life, your family. And, um, Say, say hello to all the friends in, in, in War Thunder. Hope they're doing fine too. Will do. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I hope to, uh, um, hopefully uh, both you and I uh, inspire some people to, to make uh, at least some choice. It doesn't have to be right, uh, but at least make a choice and uh, get on with their life. Yeah, make some baby steps for their next dream. Beautiful. Exactly.